What up? Welcome back to the First and Sticks podcast, week three, the third episode. Thank you to everybody for the support so far, tuning in week one and week two. If you're new to the show, welcome aboard. Greatly appreciate your time and efforts in uh, supporting the show and listening to everything. Real quick, if you do want to hop on some underdog fantasy drafts, I will give a quick shout out to them. Promo code BGP, pretty much just like their uh, best ball, everything that they did preseason. I'm sure a lot of you guys did the best ball mania. Very similar to that. Just uh, pick your team for the week via a draft of all certain sizes. There's GPPs, there's smaller contests. You could do private ones with your friends or join the one that I probably put a link out to on Twitter later this week. Once again, promo code BGP, but just a good way to get different if you're not super into DraftKings or FanDuel, but do love season-long fan and want to try the DFS space, but let's get into the good and the bad. The good Saquon Barkley. I'm surprised his ownership was so damn low. I guess it is what it is, but um, we talked a little bit about the leverage being that the Arizona Cardinals defense was going to be very popular. Leverage that was Saquon. Hell, the guy that won the Million Maker uh, stacked Saquon, Darren Waller, and Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones graded as a great value for me on WinDailySports.com. Just wasn't really sure how I thought about that game and how you know how I feel about the Arizona Cardinals through two weeks of ranting about whatever the hell is going on over there. But uh, great for him. Kind of a miss by me for not really considering Daniel Jones, but I was so into uh, Justin Fields and GPPs. We'll get into the that in the bad. Mr. Josh Reynolds, I want to... Pat myself on the back a little bit for that one. His ownership was actually quite low, but I said he was a lock for me in all formats. Played him in cash, played him in GPPs. Absolute smash there. So you got to love that, Mr. Josh Reynolds. Like a carousel. You pay the quarter, you get on the horse. It goes up and down and around. Circular, circle with the music, the flow, all good things. Yeah, all right. Well, great. Thanks a lot. Nice to meet you, man. <laughs> all good things there for Mr. Josh Reynolds. You got to love that. Other than that, the uh, we talked about the Bears game being a potential sneaky shootout and my love for that game in GPPs and running it back with Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. Mike Evans was obviously the preferred route on DraftKings with only $200 separating him and Chris Godwin. So that was awesome in terms of betting the over on that 40 and a half, getting there early before I think the line maybe closed at 41, 41 and a half. Uh, but Mike Evans, man, ownership was so low. There's such a fantastic play. Then Debo Samuel against his own defense. We wrote about that a little more. I don't know if I talked a ton about that on the podcast. And then Traylon Burks um, was on him, I believe, in the podcast, assuming D-Hop was out. D-Hop did go, wrote about uh, Traylon Burks still being a contrarian play. Just missed a very long touchdown, so I'm going to call that a good one. But the bad, Zach Moss didn't have a great read on that situation. I knew when he came back last year, he pretty much just kicked Deion Jackson to the curb. Um, at 4,700 and somehow no ownership, that was just a big miss for me. Didn't really write about him. We talked a little bit about him on Discord at Win Daily Sports, but that was really about it. Just someone I didn't have a ton of interest in. I had him maybe in one or two lineups just because I needed the savings, but that's not, you know, exposures and shit like that that people want to talk about. I was not really exposed to Zach Moss at all. And then everything with the Cincinnati Bengals, it, w- it sure would have been nice to hear from some beat reporters or something that Joe Burrow just clearly wasn't 100% coming into that game, coming into the season. 
we knew he was injured and everything like that, but they said he's good to go week one. Bad sample size with that weather in week one, but man, it was just uh, just a bad play on my part, and he really wasn't even like low-owned or anything like that. The whole field played Jamar Chase. I locked him in cash games just to keep the high-end ownership there, but Justin Fields, it was an okay outing, but when you pay that much for a quarterback, you need so much more, and I was just dead wrong on how he would play against the Blitz. They had no designed runs besides that. Uh, that kind of bootleg touchdown that he scored, but that was a short yard touchdown, and I think he ended up with like 18 points and was moving down the field a little bit towards the end. I actually double-stacked DJ Moore and Cole Komet in my main lineup, so there's no ownership at all with Mike Evans as a run back, but that sucks. Justin Fields just looks like a scared, scared man in the pocket. He like bends his knees before he throws and like gets shorter under, like he gets under the offensive line, like the reverse Drew Brees, how Drew Brees used to get up on his toes. And throw the ball a little higher, obviously, to get over the offensive line with how short he was. But, man, Justin Fields just doesn't know how to read a field, doesn't see anybody running the routes. He looks at one guy, and then it's over. Just kind of sits in the pocket. And the Bears' offensive line sucks. Don't get me wrong. The whole team sucks. Obviously, a bunch of shit going on there right now. But I don't know. He just does not look like a professional quarterback. He is by far a professional athlete. He is a fantastic athlete. He's got a cannon for an arm, but he just doesn't know how to read the field, read the routes, read the coverage. And they did give him a clean pocket often, and he just kind of sat there and didn't do anything with it. All the shit on Twitter about DJ Moore being open, you can see all that. And uh, I think I think it was DJ Moore that was running up the seam when he should have had a touchdown and then took a sack like two seconds later. Just ridiculous. But let's get into the laundry list of week three injuries so we'll kind of start all over on my notes here we got justin simmons for denver the safety did not participate in practice on wednesday but should be good to go from all i'm hearing salvin ahmed for the miami dolphins with a groin injury he is doubtful to play i would assume that is a big bump up to devon i chain hopefully we get to see a lot of him especially man jalen waddle too uh concussion I would say he's doubtful. I just don't see a lot of players these days come back from concussions within a week, and I think Waddle's had plenty in his career prior. So Selvin Ahmed should be a quiet focal point of this offense. I'm not saying you need to roster him in, in DFS, but maybe in a large field GPP if you got money to spend and burn a couple lineups, I'd maybe give Devon A-Chain a look because they certainly need playmakers if Jalen Waddle is out because you know Patrick Sertan. Van Joseph is going to prepare for Tyreek Hill. If it's just Tyreek Hill, they certainly need Waddle in that lineup. If not, you know, bump up to Braxton Berrios. He is likely going to play the slot where River Craycraft is going to go outside a little bit more. We'll talk about that situation when we get to that game. Justice Hill, turf toe, I would assume he is doubtful. Gus Edwards is going to be a sexy guy in DFS for some people. I have no interest in that backfield. Never have. Never been able to handicap it correctly. Uh, Melvin Gordon, maybe we get some run out of him. And then Kenyon Drake signed to the practice squad we'll see what happens there austin eckler sounds like he is doubtful for weeks to come who knows it they said no timetable josh kelly absolutely fire him up again we talked about tennessee being a very tough run matchup for opposing running backs against minnesota i believe minnesota is third to last in dvoa on this slate against the run so fire up josh kelly Tariq Woolen, Seattle's cornerback, is doubtful. Trey Brown will likely be the guy to step in there. Trey Brown is not very good in coverage. Uh, Jamal Adams should potentially come back. It says like he's a full go all week in practice. I don't know if they'll rush him back from that quad injury last year. He hasn't played in, I think, over a year. Um, Maybe gets a couple snaps, but I would not factor in Jamal Adams a ton into your game plan if for some reason you're interested in stacking Carolina, which, you know, I don't know. It's a weird slate. People are going to want to jam in 
you know, Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, probably Stephon Diggs, and then obviously Keenan Allen is in a fantastic spot. We'll get in that game early um, on in the game breakdown, but, you know, cheap quarterbacks like that can open up that avenue to get a lot of those guys. Then Teron Armstead back for Miami. That is a bump up to a chain, like I said. And then obviously Raheem Mostert is on a little bit of a heater after that New England performance. Decent run matchup here against Denver, too. We talked about Waddle. Jeff Akuda should be back for Atlanta, the cornerback there. Cordero Patterson, I believe, is going to get some run. Will be interesting to see how that affects Bijan. I just don't think Cordero gets a whole lot of run or a whole lot of design plays. This offense just runs through Bijan Robinson, and as it should. The guy's an absolute star if you look at what he does on the field. Christian Watson should be back for the Packers. Amani Hooker, the safety for Tennessee, we talked about last week on the show. He is back, it sounds like. Uh, Brandon Cooks should be back. Logan Thomas, doubtful with a concussion. Maybe a sneaky play of Cole Turner. I know John Bates ran a lot of routes last week, too, but John Bates should be used more as a pass blocker with Cole Turner being the athlete running routes. Both of them will get some looks in the red zone with the with the 12 set there. Kadarius Tony questionable. I will talk about something pretty cool for the Kansas City Chiefs a little bit later on. Pacheco is questionable with a hamstring. Anthony Richardson, doubtful with a concussion. Zay Jones, doubtful with a knee injury. So fire up all the Calvin Ridley you want. And Christian Kirk should get a lot more run as well. Uh, Nick Chubb, obviously, that's just heartbreaking. We don't need to talk a whole lot about that. But Ford, probably a staple in our cash game lineups. But this is the same situation with Josh Kelly last week. You don't want to run on Tennessee. But the good thing for Cleveland is they do have a fantastic run-blocking scheme, despite the loss of Jack Conklin on the offensive line there. Amon Ross St. Brown, that is certainly something to monitor. He is day-to-day. Kirby Joseph, Detroit's defense man is banged up safety he is a uh, the rookie out of illinois i think you have i kid uh very good in coverage so far in the nfl he is doubtful he was carted off cj gardner johnson obviously tore his pectoral muscle he is probably out for quite some time and then david montgomery he is going to be out i would assume from everything that we've heard so far can they run the ball so we'll get into some games right now that is going to be very very interesting we will start off with the Chargers and the Vikings. Good, just right off the, the fantasy fireworks here. We got a total sitting at 54.5 points pretty much everywhere. I don't think any book is – actually, we got 53 on FanDuel, 53.5 on FanDuel, 54 at DraftKings and Circa, 54.5 at your Canby shops, so the Barstool and Bet Rivers, all those – garbage ones that we don't really need to talk about a whole lot i mean i don't i don't know what else to say about this game for me personally i doesn't look like people are going to be able to stack a ton of it because of the prices so let's look at ownership here player pool let's go to quarterbacks and we will go to that game sorry i should be a lot more quick today kirk cousins is going to be the chalk on the slate because he's 6900 they throw the ball 100 times a game it seems like their pass rate over expectation is through the roof and they love passing the ball in neutral game scripts and they obviously have no success running the football right now no matter who they play Uh, the Chargers is usually a team you can run on so i'm not going to talk you off a just double stack of both sides of this game get all four you know, four pieces of this game that have significant red zone equity, that being, you know, Alexander Madison, Josh Kelly, I think is going to be 100% owned. If he's not, he should be. This is a great matchup. Um, I will lock him in almost every single lineup that I make. And Justin Jefferson, I think he is going to be like my week one Tyreek Hill. 
probably just firing him up every single place I can get. Keenan Allen, I think, maybe goes a little under-owned here just because Mike Williams and all the targets that he got last week are sitting there at 6K. So he's let's see, 15% ownership. This Wednesday, these ownership projections don't mean shit, but there's a ton of fantasy fireworks in this game. So for Minnesota, we're just going to see pretty much Zone cover three all day long. That is advantage Keenan Allen and historically the running back spot, but that was with Joe Lombardi, offensive coordinator last year. So kind of projecting what they should do this year just because the sample size is too small. I'm not going to say that Herbert's just going to stare down, you know, Josh Kelly in the flats. Uh, I'd still say it's advantage Josh Kelly running routes against that linebacker crew. And then um, against the Blitz, Minnesota is going to blitz a lot. Historically, that is what they do. That is what they're doing this year. Uh, Mike Williams should be a little more involved against the Blitz, and so will the tight end. So I do think this is a pretty good spot for Gerald Everett. I just don't really believe in Gerald Everett's talent. I think he looks slow out there. And Donald Parham, I think, is just an absolute freak who they'd prefer to use him in the red zone over Gerald Everett, if not using him both like Kellen Moore did in Dallas. Probably another good spot for a Donald Parham touchdown, but we'll never get plus 750 ever again, I don't think. So not going to go back to the well there. But, yeah, this is uh, a matchup. I prefer Keenan Allen significantly over Mike Williams. I talked about Mike Williams being one of my core plays last week against Tennessee and their man coverage. This is zone. This is where Keenan Allen makes an absolute living. Not saying Mike Williams is a bad play, but if he's going to be 20% owned and Keenan's going to be like 10 just due to price, I will do everything I can to get salary on the table to get Mr. Keenan Allen on the Viking side of things. Chargers are pretty much going to mix it up with uh, like I'd say a mid quantity of man coverage and then cover three for the rest with a heavy blitz. So against mid man, that's, that's going to be Justin Jefferson all day long against the cover three. We should see a tick up to the tight ends and KJ Osborne there, maybe a little Jordan Addison. He'll Jordan Addison's probably a guy that they're going to start to scheme in man coverage, especially when teams start to double-team Justin Jefferson a little bit more. Jordan Addison should have a very bright fantasy future, especially this year with how much Kevin O'Connell wants to throw the football. I have no thoughts on K-Makers. I know he knows this offense because it's Kevin O'Connell. I don't think he plays much, if at all, so don't worry about that. Don't freak out if you got Madison season long yet. Madison is just not leaving the field. There are very few guys. I put out a tweet. I think there's four that are in the top ten in rush attempt shares running back route participation for the team and running back shares inside the 10 yard line. And then routes inside the 10 yard line. Madison checks all four boxes. This guy's just not leaving the field. Cam Akers probably will run into that in a bit, but probably not this week. And then the blitz for the Chargers should be advantage J Jeff. And then obviously TJ Hawkinson on the inside running those drag routes there. Next game, we'll go to the Bills and Washington. I don't really have a ton to say about this game. The total is at 43.5. Looks like it opened. Some shops opened 46 and down to 42.5 at Pinnacle. So if you got offshore access, there's, I don't know. I mean, DraftKings has 44. Pinnacle's at 42.5. Circa's at 43.5. Usually if Circa and Pinnacle are on the same line, maybe I would take that under on DraftKings at 44 but i don't really have a whole lot of thoughts on this game um buffalo's defense is going to run a just a ton of nickel zone 
uh, don't blitz. So that should be advantage uh, Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin, but we just don't really know what to expect with Sam Howell. And that's historically where Biennemi goes against those coverages and maybe a little bump up to the tight end. So again, we mentioned Cole Turner, potential sneaky play, probably just a game that I'm off in general. Washington's D is going to run pretty much cover four and then man defense. So that'll be digs and the slot against the man. But the thing for Buffalo is the guys running most of the routes out of the slot are Dalton Kincaid and Dawson Knox. I think this is finally a spot where Dalton Kincaid gets his first NFL touchdown. I want to say finally, like it's been all year, but it's been two weeks. I think Kincaid gets in the box this week. Hopefully we could see like a touchdown prop of like plus 550. Terrible bets on touchdown props, but for some reason I seem to be very good at tight end um, touchdown prop bets. But I do like Kincaid in this matchup a little bit. And then against the cover four, it's going to be Diggs and then the dump offs to James Cook. So your usual suspects for the Buffalo Bills so far this year in terms of production. That's about it for that game. Both defenses in play. Washington's defense is 2,400 on DraftKings. Chase Young, obviously back, uh, one game back last week, just seemed like he was getting his legs under him. Didn't pressure Russell a ton, um, but they're cheap enough, and Josh Allen's erratic enough to where he could certainly play Washington and hope for a pick six and a couple sacks. It, it could happen. So the Saints-Packers, another game I just don't have a ton of interest in. It's tough to have a lot of interest in games when there's a 54 total staring you in the face and nothing else is over 46. So the Saints and the Packers, this line is totals at 42, 42 and a half. Packers are a two-point favorite. Don't have a whole lot to say about this one. I respect both defenses. One thing is Kendra Miller is going to play, and I think he's going to play a lot. Tony Jones, they did sign him to the active roster, so I do think you know Kendra Miller gets cucked a little bit in the red zone and Tony Jones gets the end zone touches if it gets to that you know that if they get there in the field hopefully they do I do have a respectable adjusted expected team total on that if you don't know what that is it is just uh, my model without special teams so no field goals no you know defense pick six anything like that just straight offense which I think is all that matters for fantasy and why this is such a great tool that should be up on the win daily sports website just straight up offense team totals as why it's called the just expected team totals. I got them for 15.65, so not great, but not bad, and that pretty much reflects the total of Vegas, so it's good to be on market. Like I mentioned in week one, you can play whoever, but Kendra Miller is going to offer a ton of salary relief. I do think the upsides in the pass-catching game, especially against the Packers, you could do that um, with their coverage, but I, it's just you're throwing darts hoping this guy gets a lot of playing time because we know what Tony Jones Jr. is. He's nothing special. They've This team's never wanted to play him. Carmichael's never wanted to play this guy, and now he had to last week, and Jamal Williams, I should have mentioned that in the fucking injury report, Nick. Jamal Williams is going to be out with a hamstring, so yeah, fire up Kendra Miller before Alvin Kamara comes back next week. Packer side of things, Christian Watson's going to be back. I would hold your horses on Jaden Reed and Romeo Dobbs. Just see what happens with Christian Watson back in the pecking order. And no word on Aaron Jones, so I don't know what to say there, so we'll wait. You know, obviously check out the article or just follow whoever you follow on Twitter and figure out that situation as the week progresses. I am not going to put my foot in my mouth and talk about a situation I know nothing about right now with his health. One of the games I'm actually sneaky interested in, and it looks like sharp money is as well. Atlanta Falcons and the Detroit Lions opened up at 44, 44 and a half points, and is now at 46, 46 and a half. This is with Amon Ross St. Brown being decently questionable and David Montgomery being out. I don't know if Detroit can run the football without 
you know, David Montgomery. They're certainly going to try to, but Ben Johnson has no fear in dropping Jared Goff back 50 times to just chuck the ball all over the you know, field, and that's kind of what you want to do against Atlanta because their run D is pretty stiff. So I like this game. I love that this total moved in the right direction. And I talked a little bit earlier about, you know, the Carolina Panthers, Bryce Young, and his price and what it could open up for the rest of your roster. I disgustingly like Desmond Ritter a little bit in DraftKings this week just because he's 5K flat and his stacking options are super cheap. If you want to play Drake London, you can, but I think I'm going to go to the well. Oh, with fucking Kyle Pitts, guys. I I really think I do because that that stacks 8,900. That is cheaper than Patrick Mahomes. I don't know. It's almost the same price as Patrick Mahomes. He's 8,300. So you can get a lot there, and that afford, lets me get the guys that I want to get, like Justin Jefferson and Ty, or, uh, potentially Tyree Kelly. You could even fit that too. But Justin Jefferson and Keenan Allen, I want them a lot, and I know the public's going to want them a lot. I just don't think the public can afford getting both of them and a quality lineup. So, you know, stacking Justin Herbert with those two is going to be very expensive. Stucking, you know, stacking Kirk Cousins with those two is going to be very expensive. But I can get a solid-ass lineup if you trust a puke play, which is certainly Desmond Ritter, because that team does not want to throw the football. They did a little bit last week, but it's because the score kind of mandated that. But, I, you know, the game script for this to go positive on a 1% owned Desmond Ritter is just Detroit scoring early at Ford Field. I certainly believe they could do that. Obviously, I want Amon Ross St. Brown to be healthy, but this could turn into a, a low-key track meet, I think, if you know, the Lions set the tone and score early. If this game gets ugly early, your lineup's probably fucked. That's just the risk of playing GPPs and trying to fuck around with 1% quarterbacks, 1% owned quarterbacks. But he's the top value on the board right now for me at the quarterback position on windailysports.com. Talk a little bit about the defense. I mean, there's really just no ownership at all. Bijan's going to be sub 10%. People got to start playing this guy. I'm on Rossi Brown's going to be 5% again because all the ownership's going to Keenan Allen, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill. Um, I did not talk about ownership in that last game, Buffalo and Washington. I don't really give a shit in the Packers and the Saints. Oh, well, my show, I guess, but I don't think the ownership's going to be low for all those guys. Um, we'll check Stefan Diggs real quick. I guess I'll be a people pleaser. 10%. So pretty much the same thing for Diggs every week besides these chalk other weeks, like last week when he was 25% owned. But uh, Josh Reynolds is going to be popular. That's, that's fucking great. 4,200. Now everybody wants to go to the well after he gets two touchdowns. Uh, that was mainly because of the zone defense, I think. Let me exactly write up why I wrote it. Yeah, because we're going to see a ton of cover three out of Seattle, which is where Josh Reynolds, I think he actually scored on both Trey Brown and Kobe Bryant. I need to go rewatch that film again. Exactly what I talked about in the article. Uh, the thing about Atlanta is they are going to play a lot of man coverage. So I, this is advantage. I'm on Ross St. Brown. That is where Jared Goff likes to go, and sometimes even Khalif Raymond. Just the guys that run on the inside against man coverage, and I agree with that because D. Alford on the inside of the Atlanta Falcons secondary is not very good. I will not be chasing Josh Reynolds with a $500 price hike. I think this is an I'm on Ross St. Brown smash game. If he's healthy, we got to keep an eye on that toe or heel, whatever's going on there. But 5%, I'm on Ross St. Brown. You could literally get a three-way um, exposure to this game. Get a nice three-way in your life too, right? Um, we all wish. But Ritter, Pitts, if you want to play Pitts, I'm just saying my main lineup right now is Ritter, Pitts, running it back with I'm on Ross St. Brown, and I have Keenan Allen and Justin Jefferson. So it's pretty 
pretty sick, but pretty gross outside of that. But value running backs, obviously, are going to open that up. Um, before I tell you my whole fucking lineup, let's uh, continue on. Sorry for the language, but the people on Twitter voted week one. Let it go raw, explicit. Not a whole lot of post-production, so I can't cut the language. That's what the people voted for. Detroit's defense. Um, actually, back to the Atlanta's defense. So we should see a lot of heavy, you know, a lot of man. We will see a little bit of cover three from them, you know, on passing downs on like third downs and then in the red zone. So I'm not saying Josh Reynolds is dead. He's not going to score any points. I'm definitely not saying that. But um, it should be advantage to Amandra St. Brown against that man coverage and D. Alford. And then also um, in the red zone, I think this is a great spot against the Atlanta Falcons blitz for Sam Laporta. The guy's just very involved in this offense. So if um, Amandra doesn't go, I'm very interested in Sam Laporta. Still have interest in Sam Laporta regardless of Amandra's situation. And then for Detroit, they're playing a ton of cover too. So this is where this should be the spot for the slot and the tight end. Kyle Pitts is half man, half slot receiver, half beast, half tight end. Come on, Kyle Pitts. Like, for the love of God, Arthur Smith, get him involved. The guy can make plays. He's healthy. This should be the spot, especially when we talked about Kirby Joseph, the cover safety, being gone. Like, and no Chauncey. They're they're hurt. Go beat him up. Let this guy run routes and throw the football a little bit so we need Detroit to go up 10 14 21 nothing honestly and this stack could be great but uh, against cover two that should be advantage Kyle Pitts all day long and then Detroit's going to run a lot of man coverage as well which is a very small sample size going back on Desmond Ritter's year last year but it should be advantage to Drake London and then the dump offs against the blitz for Bijan and then Kyle Pitts so I'm very excited for Kyle Pitts I did bet his over at 32 and a half on the receiving yards i believe that was on DraftKings at minus 115 it is still there is yeah same line on pinnacle too so that's i'm not saying there's a pricing error out there my numbers just think there's a good perceived edge on that number and that i'm banking on a game script going my way i did not expect to talk about the atlanta falcons and the detroit Lions this long i'm sorry folks moving on to the uh, I mean, Bijan Robinson, fire him up. The Detroit Lions, Jameer Gibbs should get more carries. I don't, I just don't think it's part of their game plan to get him a ton of carries. The guy's a pass catching back pretty much, and he's a stud at that. So fire him up if you want to. There's no ownership on him. Yeah, I'm seeing eight percent. I'll bet the under on that. And then Craig Reynolds is going to get a lot of the, uh, you know, the tough nose carries. I don't think you want to really run on Atlanta or play running backs against Atlanta unless they catch a ton of passes. So Jameer Gibbs would be the guy there. Uh, Tennessee Titans and the Browns. Not a whole lot on this game. Obviously, it sucks to have no Nick Chubb. We got a very low total, I believe, here as well. Where is that at? I got to figure out. I need one more screen. I got three. I need a fourth. Uh, Cleveland Browns. It opened up at 41. I'm sure the Nick Chubb injury hurt a lot, too. Uh, now at 39.5, Cleveland's a three-point favorite. We know we want to pass on Tennessee. I do think this is a really good spot for you know Amari Cooper and also... Elijah Moore. I like Elijah Moore in this game. I just don't like this game. I'm very rarely going to have a lot of interest in totals that are under 40 points. But Tennessee's going to play a ton of man coverage. That surprisingly is advantage Elijah Moore and how um, it's a short sample size. But does, or Deshaun Watson's been looking at him in man coverage early and often. They're not going to blitz much at all. But again, that's Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore all day long there if you want to get into that type of thing. Um, not many quarterbacks on this slate can run. So I guess Deshaun Watson certainly has some standalone upside there. If you need a cheap stack to afford those guys that we talked about earlier in the expected shootout, Deshaun Watson certainly can do that. And 
Elijah Moore is a pretty cheap stack option. What is his price? He's like 4,800, 4,700. So not bad. You could, uh, you could certainly do that instead of Desmond Ritter and Kyle Pitts or Drake London, some scary shit that I'm going to do. Uh, Texans and the Jaguars. I do think this game has a lot of fantasy fireworks. It opened up at 46, sitting right now at 44, 44 and a half. Jacksonville's a 10-point favorite. Usually we'd want to pounce all over the running back, so I do think it's a great spot for ETN. The issue there is Tank Bigsby, Bigsby is getting all the red zone touches. So uh, I do think this is a spot that ETN finally gets in the box. They're not just going to only go uh, Tank Bigsby in the red zone, but so far it's been the majority of that. Uh, Zay Jones, again, we talked about his knee likely out, so this should be a great spot for Calvin Ridley, obviously. And then... But the Texans do get Jimmy Ward back, so that should help their defense out a lot. I still just don't think that they are ready to contain an offense that Doug Peterson is going to run with a hot Trevor Lawrence right now and how much they're throwing the football. Should be a great spot for Calvin Ridley. Christian Kirk should get some run, too, against that cover three for Houston. Um, they're going to play some man, too, but Calvin Ridley should just eat in this matchup. And then on the other side, Nico Collins is oh, – I fucking love it. I bought a Nico Collins jersey last year. People thought I was crazy for being on this guy. It looks like I was a year too early – and now everybody plays him. Still a good spot for him. I don't think I really want to pick on this Jacksonville secondary a ton. His matchup's going to be not great on the outside with Tyson Campbell and Darius Williams. Darius Williams from the Rams prior, obviously. Um, that's that's a pretty good secondary. Trey Herndon on the inside is pretty good, too. But, I mean, just a quick stat. If you want to get a cheap filler, I'm sure the public's going to love this guy, too. They love chasing targets, it seems like. Everybody looks on DraftKings and sees all the targets. Let's check the ownership to see if that is the dandy of the week. Highest owned guy in this game so far. Yeah, Nico Collins, 10%. Tank Dell, I'm seeing 5%. But Tank Dell, man, he... He's in the top 25 of targets per route ran, and he is also in the top 25 for first read leaders. That is basically um, what the first read is going to be from the quarterback, and that obviously leads into a lot more targets. So not saying the first read is always the guy that they throw to, but um, some good fantasy points data there. Uh, but Tank Dell, man, this this guy's legit. So if you want a 3,600 run back or if you just want to play a quick one-off mini stack of a game that should pass a lot, especially Houston because they can't keep up with anybody and they have no problem dropping C.J. Stroud back and letting him throw it 45 times. Tank Dell, Kevin Ridley, a little mini stack, or Nico Collins if you want to ride the hot hand. Um, could certainly do that or get a very low-owned Travis Etienne in a fantastic spot. So I do like Etienne here at 5% ownership. Next game will be the Patriots and Jets. Um, Bill Belichick needs to let Demario Douglas play. This guy looks like a poor man's version of Tyreek Hill, but for 3K nut minimum on DraftKings. He fumbled last week. He was pretty much their their best player on the field, it seems like, passing the eye test and everything, and then he fumbles never gets back in the game. So I certainly can't fire him up with any confidence. Don't necessarily want to pick on the Jets' D. I think both of these defenses are very much in play, and I don't think they're going to draw any ownership. The second highest total on the board should be this next game. Denver Broncos open at 47 at Miami. Bet up to 48.5 exclusively. Every book has 48.5. I don't know if I'm using that word correctly, exclusively everywhere. That seems like it's counterproductive. If anybody knows the American language or the English language, I should say I'm already booting fucking everything. Please just uh, send me a tweet. And help me get my uh, my catchphrases down a little bit better. Uh, Miami Dolphins, six-and-a-half-point favorite. 
to me, it's all about Jalen Waddle. If Jalen Waddle plays, fire up all the Tyreek you possibly can. I don't care about Patrick Sertan there. I think that Tyreek will just move all across the formation. I know Sertan's probably going to shadow. I just don't think that they can keep up with him one. And the scheme is just so good that they just everybody knows Tyreek Hill's going to kill you, and he still kills you. So uh, Bill Belichick did a good job containing him, but they didn't really need him a ton in that game. I'm sure Vance Joseph watched a lot of film, and they will try to do the same thing to Tyreek. So I don't love Tyreek at all if Waddle's out. Um, certainly a good play, but for 300 more, just go to Justin Jefferson. Make it easy on yourself. Braxton Berrios should have a nice, nice matchup, assuming. Let's assume Waddle's out. I'd give uh, the bump up to Braxton Berrios. I wouldn't touch River Craycraft at all because, you know, inside on um, Ising Bassey is a guy we want to pick on all year long, especially if Denver's defense is as bad as it is. I don't understand how it is when it's pretty damn good on paper. But Braxton Berrios should be a very nice play at 3,600. I assume he and Tank Dell are probably the chalk down there if Waddle is out. Just forecasting here a little bit. Um, but Mostert is fine. I'm not going to pay 6K for Raheem Mostert. The guy could leave the game anytime with a sore knee. Uh, talked about Devon A. Chain. I think this should be a little bit of a coming out party for him. Probably not fantasy or daily fantasy relevant, in my opinion. Maybe a million maker play, and that's about it. On the Denver side. We're going to see a lot of man and cover three and cover four mix in the passing downs from Miami. I, I mean, I just, I'm not going to play Jerry Judy yet. I know he ran a good bit of routes last week. Just didn't really have a lot of rhythm with Russell Wilson yet. So I don't, I don't know. I know they had it last year working really well. The uh, chemistry, if you want to call it that, but just, I, I, if I want to play this game, I want to stack Russell with Corlin Sutton on the outside with Eli Apple and Xavier Howard. I do think that is a significant bump up to Mr. Cortland Sutton. But my favorite matchup, this guy's getting a lot of touches. Everybody really, you know, I, I think any sharp fantasy analyst will absolutely love this guy coming into the year. It is Javante Williams week. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it now. Miami's run defense ranked third to last on this slate in, or second to last in run defense DVOA. We talked about Minnesota, I believe, was third, or maybe it's third and fourth. But either way, top five bad run defense in terms of DVOA. Denver run offense is inside the top eight in DVOA. This is finally a week that they should just let Javante Williams run wild, especially if Waddle plays. I like Javante Williams even more because I think that Sean Payton just takes the air out of the ball like we saw in week one and plays very, very slow and keep Tyreek and Jalen Waddle off the field as much as possible. But Javante Williams, probably my favorite GPP running back play on the board. Let's check the ownership. I am seeing 8%. I'll take the under on that. I think everybody's going to go to Josh Kelly when the news that Austin Eckler is officially out. I'm seeing 20% Raheem Mostert. There's just no way that's fucking true. But I hope the public does that. That'd be great. Um, but yeah, so fire up Javante Williams. I absolutely adore him this week. I don't think you need to get Miami exposure if Jalen Waddle's out, um, but we'll see. I think they're going to try to push him through concussion protocol. You know how they handled Tua last year, so yeah, that'll be interesting. If Waddle plays, then obviously Tua's a fucking smash, and so is Russell Wilson at 5,900. QB5 in fantasy, by the way. I think I had him inside, or QB11 or something like that in season-long fantasy rankings prior when the world had him in like 20 so that will be part of the good rewind that back to the good in the intro there uh colts ravens Gardner Minshew's likely going to play with anthony richardson out um no interest in anything on that offense we're going to skip that one i 
guess I wouldn't even play the Colts D. I think the Ravens offense is starting to click now that Mark Andrews is back. Zay Flowers is still going to be their guy. Mark Andrews obviously 1A to Zay Flowers 1B, but I don't think Odell Beckham is worth a shit anymore, and I think he's got a hurt ankle as well this year. But I don't know. Beckham's still going to be a good red zone receiver. Lamar Jackson, probably super low owned. What is the ownership there? And they are a pretty big favorite. Um, Lamar Jackson, 5%. So if you want to get crazy in a GPP again with a proven asset instead of the Desmond Ritter shit that I'm probably going to do, Lamar Jackson is in a good spot here against a Colts defense that is just not very good at all. Probably bottom five in DPOA, just blindly looking. This total did get bet up a little bit, opened at 44. Um, currently 45 at Circa, and we can get a 45 and a half on FanDuel. I think I'd lean the under in that game, but I just don't mess with unders too much unless it's player props. Moving on, Panthers and Seattle. Not a whole lot of love. I was very interested in Bryce Young coming into this week when I saw pricing on Monday morning. I was just trying to find a way to fit a very cheap stack and get Justin Jefferson and Keenan Allen and you know, Amon Ross St. Brown or something like that, or Calvin Ridley. If I'm not using Desmond Ritter, I like Ridley a ton this week. Bryce Young was certainly interesting with Jonathan Mingo being a very cheap run back or DJ Chark. DJ Chark kind of slowly got back into the, the pace of things last week on Monday Night Football, or this week on Monday Night Football, but it was last week in the NFL. But uh, Adam Thielen, I have no interest in him. He had a good game. Good for him. It's good to see him uh, – Dust off the tires a little bit, and he still looks slow as molasses, so no interest there. I probably have no interest in this game. This is a really good spot for Miles Sanders. It's just, man, just sell out to stop the run against Bryce Young in this offense. He just does not look great right now. I do think he's got a bright future ahead. He looks like he can read a pocket. I do like that he scrambles, too, a little bit. But he's just he's so small, and I don't know. That offense has no rhythm to it at all, so no interest there. Seattle, it looks like Geno's popular. I would not pick on this Carolina defense. They look damn good Monday night, and they look decent against, I know it's Atlanta, and they don't throw a whole lot, but I don't know. I'm not picking on Carolina. It looks like Geno Smith is at 11% at 5,700, probably because he is a cheap way to get those guys that we talked about that we're going to talk about all damn show, but I have no interest in that. Kenneth Walker, one of the other guys that fits that quadrant of stats I was talking about for running back, so fire him up as much as you want. Carolina is... Dead last, I believe, on the slate in run defense, DVOA, maybe Houston, them or Houston. So, again, love ETN if you could afford them. That's a, that's a really good spot. Just, again, the concern is the red zone touches. Dallas and Arizona, no interest. I mean, Dallas has the highest implied team total on the slate at 27, 28 pretty much flat. The Chargers being 27.5 and, and Minnesota being 26 and Miami 27.5 too. So, I mean, it looks like the books are expecting Waddle to play because I don't think they'd open their team total that high with Waddle out. Wish we had a sample size of Tyreek and Waddle when Waddle was out. We just don't have that because I believe Waddle played almost every single game last year. May have got hurt in a couple, but I believe he played. So, Dallas, Arizona, I mean, Tony Pollard's in a fantastic spot. You always want to play running backs when they're that big of a favorite for the most part. Uh, 12 point favorite total of 43 that opened at 44 and a half. So it looks like most of the money is going on the under, or if not respected money is going on the under. No interest there. And then KC Chicago. Um, the Bears are so fucking bad. Um, I'm not even sorry. Their whole, I don't know what the hell's going on. Hell's Hall got raided today. So who knows? I hope everybody's okay that was involved in whatever the hell was going on. But I don't know. I'm probably not going to play. 
Patrick Mahomes. Oh, they have the highest implied team total. I'm getting this way wrong. 30 points for them. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, 8% ownership. I think that's about fair. The issue, again, Patrick Mahomes, it's just impossible to stack him with. But I think we're on to something here. Kadarius Tony, we talked about the toe. He's, like, on the wrong side of questionable, it sounds like. Um, do, 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 who is the other guy? Uh, Richie James. Sounds like he's on the wrong side of questionable as well. Here's a fun fact for you. Inside the top 35 players in the NFL so far in air yards, there are only three of them that have not had a double-digit fantasy output yet this year. Two of them are Michael Wilson and Jonathan Mingo, right? That makes sense. Their offenses suck. It's the Arizona Cardinals and the Carolina Panthers we just talked about. So it's okay. Like I understand that they just can't connect because they have no rhythm on offense. But the other guy here that is ninth in the NFL in air yards and inside that top 35 in air yards, obviously that does not have a double digit fantasy outing yet this year is Justin Watson for the Kansas city chiefs. I think this guy may be the sneakiest GPP play. Something's got to give. He's getting all these air yards. His snap count went up since week one. That's a good thing. Uh, Rasheed Rice's snap count went way down. Again, this is tough to handicap, but you can't say that that's going to happen. It's tough with Andy Reid and these receivers. So many guys are running routes, but he's getting four to five targets every single game. If Kadarius Tony's out, if um, Richie James is out, I'm assuming that they both are. This can be a breakout and probably a break-in like that's probably all we see from Justin Watson again in his career for a big fantasy output, but he's going to be 0% owned. I'm very interested. Like you, sometimes just the data, it's it's kind of being a data nerd, I guess, with air yards and how you know some people don't like that, but it does equate to something eventually. And if this guy's getting more snaps and receivers that run routes on this team are going to be out against a secondary like the Bears that is just all patched up with the rookie and Tyreek Stevenson and you know Kyler Gordon's out, and Josh Blackwell may miss again. The same reason we loved Mike Evans last week and who runs deep routes as well. He's not nearly as fast as Justin Watson, but Patrick Mahomes trusts this guy. Do not be surprised if Justin Watson breaks a big one and gets to 15 to 20 fantasy points, especially if Kadarius Toney and or Richie James are out. I think he'll be my favorite GPP play if that's the case. And again, it helps me afford those players we talked about earlier. Um, in terms of that, yeah, nothing on the Bears side I'm interested in. Chase Claypool got a ton of targets, scored a touchdown, good for him, but that offense is broken. Isaiah Pacheco, hamstring issue. I don't think I'm going to go there, but we do want love double-digit home favorite running backs. If he's banged up, though, that kind of that turns me off a little bit on him. But that will do it for the Week 3 edition. I hope everybody has a great week. Um, well, let's go through the board just real quick, position by position. Um, I'll give you a cash game play as of Wednesday. This could all change, but check out the article on windailysports.com and thank you so much for the support while you're there. Cash game quarterback, I think you probably just go with Kirk Cousins. I th- yeah, because I, I mean, I really think the chart, like Kellen Moore's not addicted to passing the football like Joe Lombardi was, so I think that we can get a lot of Josh Kelly. So I don't want to say Justin Herbert, especially when Kirk is less. Yeah, I would say cash game quarterback is probably going to be Kirk Cousins at the time of this. You know, I like Tua, too. I like Russ a lot as well. GPP, I've said it. It's gross. I'm going to go with Desmond Ritter on a Wednesday. 
Running back, cash game, running backs. Let's go to filter by ownership. Jerome Ford, I guess you probably just take the free square at 4,800. I have no interest in that on the GPP side of things. James Conner, I'm, I'm just not doing it. I'm not a James Conner guy. He could beat me all day long. I, I don't care. And then GPP running back, Javante Williams. Absolutely love him. And then Josh Kelly, just a staple play for me everywhere, assuming Eckler's out. Justin Jefferson, cash and GPP, locking him in everywhere. Keenan Allen, GPP, assuming his ownership goes down to like 10% because everybody wants to jam in Mike. And then GPP, dart throw of the week. Keep an eye on the injury status of the Kansas City Chiefs. But if that does happen, I do think Tank Dell, and if Waddle's out, Braxton Berrios' ownership is going to go through the fucking roof. Give me a deep ball guy instead of a little slant guy like Braxton Berrios and Justin Watson. That'll be pretty interesting to see if that actually happens, but I will, I'll be playing it, no doubt. And then I'm on St. Brown for GPPs, if he's healthy, so keep an eye on that. A lot of healthy shit. It's like it's week 14. Tight ends, cash. I mean, if you could afford Hawkinson, but you're not going to play Hawkinson and Jefferson both in cash, so I guess cash for me will go lower. Uh, GPP is going to be Kyle Pitts. already talked about that. Sam Laporta, I think, would be probably my guy in cash at 4K, especially if Amon Ra's out. If uh, Amon Ra is out, then you are playing Sam Laporta in cash. Uh, also, Dalton Schultz, 3,700 in a comeback game script against Jacksonville. They do just run in so many routes. Like him a ton. Jake Ferguson, I do like. I talked about Kellen Moore in the tight ends and what you know that opens up. And it seems like Mike McCarthy is running that same offense despite him getting rid of Kellen Moore. So, um no really interest in Chiggy, Adam Troutman. Don't I don't think you want to do that. The guy's a pass blocker, but he did run a lot of routes. So maybe this is a good spot for him. Miami's like third to last in DVOA against the tight ends. So, yeah. Um, other great matchups. Let's just talk about DVOA real quick and then get out of here. The Chargers run game is matchup number one for me, like in terms of both pass and run. Where would I want to get fantasy exposure based on the DVOA and my model's rankings? It is... Um, the Chargers run game second was very surprising. The Denver Broncos run game, so Javante Williams third being the Minnesota pass game. Everybody's going to be on that fourth being Kansas city pass game. I don't think anybody will be on that, but again, I love that Justin Watson spot. If these guys are hurt and then Miami's pass game. So nothing really reinventing besides the Chargers run game and the Denver run game kind of surprised me that they would grade so high in my numbers and also with weighted DVOA in there. So, Good luck in week three. Thank you for supporting the show. Check out windailysports.com, Underdog Fantasy. If you want to play some week-long drafts, if DraftKings and FanDuel is kicking your ass, try Underdog. Play cheap. Obviously, you know your bankroll and everything like that, and I will post a link this week. Promo code BGP for $100 deposit match up to or 100% deposit match up to $100. Nice in preseason form for fucking ad rates. Uh, very cool. But, yep, that is it for this week. Thank you all for tuning in, and good luck in week three.